Hello and welcome to Jetavanarama Buddhist Monastery. Today we meet with another episode of the series of Dhamma talks titled Buddha's Guide to Happiness. Over the last few weeks, we have been discussing a path to happiness, one which you may not have seen before, one which you may have not discovered before. It has been my intention to share this path with you in the hope that you are able to achieve an unconditional happiness, which I am convinced is the ultimate goal of this path. So today we take another step forward on this journey as we explore the workings of the human mind, what happiness is all about, the happiness that we experience on a day-to-day basis, is that the real deal or are we somehow being manipulated? Is there such a thing as unconditional happiness? In other words, could we be happy regardless of what happens around us? These are the some of the questions that we seek answers to. Before we begin then, let us once again pay veneration to the supremely enlightened Lord Buddha, who's the teacher, the ultimate teacher, and whose doctrine, whose teaching, today we have the good privilege of learning, studying, understanding, and realizing for ourselves. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa As a gentle reminder, may I take a brief moment to remind you that I continue to expect of you vigilance, diligence, as you listen to these talks, by which I mean, I want for you to be able to listen to these talks with undivided attention because that is how you are able to get the most out of anything, not just listening to these talks. Whenever we do something important in our lives, to get the best out of it, it pays dividends to give it our undivided attention. Secondly, I would like for you to listen to them with trust. Trust that 
what you're listening to will bring you goodness, greatness, and hopefully the happiness that you seek in life. And finally, this is perhaps the most important thing, the most important element that I want from you, and that is to verify the things that you learn from these talks. Because then and only then will these words mean anything to you. Until then, it will just be someone told me so. But for it to be meaningful, for it to have its desired effect on your life, you must verify this in the lab of life. And what is this lab of life we have been referring to in our previous talks? Well, it is simply that you take these messages and you apply them into life. It's a lab because it's where you apply these principles, these teachings, these ideas and concepts, and see what results you get. It's a lab, so it's safe to do so. And it's when you apply this, these principles into your life, you begin to realize whether they hold any value or not for yourself. So ultimately, it's every one for himself. One can only show another the path. Walking it and reaping the rewards is completely, solely down to each and every one. That is how I was taught by my teachers and this is the same thing that I'd like to share with you today. So, having said that, let's continue where we left off last week. If you remember what we discussed last week, I think we had a very interesting discussion, if I may say so myself. We took a moment to analyze what goes in our minds what is the process that goes in our minds when we watch a movie? And how we enjoy a movie? The steps involved. To briefly remind you the essence of what we talked about last week, let's see if you remember what the steps are. First, you need to be informed that there's a really good movie that is worth watching. And when these messages reach us or reach you through usually advertising or perhaps word of mouth, this creates a deep want or a desire in your mind. Now you want to do it. What do you want to do? You want to watch the movie. You don't really know what you will be watching because that's the way it works, isn't it? So much so that actually you don't want anyone to spoil it for you. That's why you have spoiler alerts. See how we need to take a moment to understand why we treat ourselves the way we do. Why do we have such a thing called a spoiler alert? 
Why do we not like for other people to tell us what the plot is of a story? When you read a book, watch a movie, go to a play or whatever, why, do we, why is it that we do not like for someone to ruin it for us or spoil it for us before we experience it for ourselves? Now you need to try and understand it. After all, that is what Buddhist philosophy is for, to realize, to understand why you do the things you do. I'm sure there'll be times in your life when you will react, respond in certain ways which you feel are completely irrational. Sometimes you'll find scratching your head, wondering why you reacted or responded to something the way you did. And most of those times, you will fail to find a reasonable answer, something that you can be happy with. Ladies and gentlemen, the purpose of these talks is to help you find answers to those predicaments, to help you understand yourself, to help you understand why you behave in the ways that you do. So in some ways you could consider this to be the psychology of existence or of living, of life, the psychology of life. The study of how the mind works in its purest form. And again, it is my hope and intention to bring it to you in real simple terms, without any complications or convolutions, in language and terms, and in lexicon that even a six or seven year old can understand. That is what I hope to do with these talks. Because I believe that if many people around the world are presented with this opportunity to understand how they work in college, in univer at university, when we read books, we understand a lot about how the world around us works. But we invest very little time, don't we, in studying how we work. And I don't mean how the body works, not the anatomy or the physiology, but rather how we make decisions and why we make those decisions, how we are influenced in certain ways and why sometimes we react and respond in what seem to be very irrational ways. We are baffled on those occasions. Wouldn't it be nice if we could understand why we behave in certain ways and as a result of that, if somehow we can make better choices about our lives. Because better choices mean we move forward and in the direction of the happiness that we seek in our life. So, coming back to the point we were discussing, spoiler alerts. What's the big deal with spoiler alerts? Why don't people like them? Why is it that when you read a review on a website about a, a book or a movie or a play or something, there's always this warning, spoiler alert up ahead. So it gives you the opportunity to skip it. You see, you're going to be reading that book in a moment. You're going to be watching that film in a moment. So what difference does it make that you do not find out about it before you read the book? 
Isn't it simply just a matter of time? What difference does it make that you find out about it later as you watch the movie or read the book to finding about what the story is about right now? What is it, what is it that is ruined for you? Ah, well, that is what we are trying to understand here. It is what we discussed last week. Or at least we began to discuss last week. So how does this enjoying a movie work? Once you really get your head around this, you will understand why there is such a thing as a spoiler alert and why people don't like it or why even you don't like it when someone spoils it for you. So how does it work again? First, a desire or a want is created in the mind by using words that instigate this desire, this want, this deep void, that something's lacking for you, that there is something beautiful. We use this word quite a bit in our talks. Something beautiful, beauty of sight, beauty of sound, beauty of smell, taste and touch and so on we talked about. So when it is implanted in our minds, in, when we are indoctrinated, that beauty exists in the outside world, so in this case a movie. Now, because beauty is our interpretation of pleasure, now we want it. Because what do we always seek? We always seek pleasure. Little do we know though, that there are two kinds of happiness. One is conditional and one is unconditional. But we don't know at all about unconditional happiness. If you knew it, that's all you'd want. Through these talks, ultimately, that is what I intend to show you. How we can get ourselves to ultimate happiness, unconditional happiness. But before I get you there, I need for you to understand and realize for yourselves what the problem is with the current situation. Because there's no point in showing you greener pastures when you think there is nothing better than where you are right now. It is only when you realize that what you've got at hand is not worth at all what you thought it was when you seek something else, when you seek an alternative. And when you start seeking an alternative, that is when I will present to you the alternative. That is unconditional happiness. That will happen eventually. That will happen gradually. Do not worry. Do not fret. I promise you, as we proceed with these talks, you will begin to realize what unconditional happiness is. But let's get back to the point. What is this conditional happiness that we experience, this pleasure that we experience as we look for beauty in a sight or in this case, a movie? So when this view, when this idea, when this concept, when this want or need or desire has been implanted into our minds, now that is all we want. So that what, that's what happens when you watch a trailer or when someone says there's this new movie, right? And now this creates a deep void in the mind. And I introduced a term last week, if you remember, this term vexation, a vexation. A vexation is what we feel when there is something we want and we begin to long for it. We just want it. 
So, when you watch a trailer, when you hear someone say something good and nice about this latest movie, and you want to watch it, now there's a vexation. There's a void in the mind. And you have all experienced this. This is nothing new to you. When an expectation has been created in the mind, this is what happens to you. Until that expectation has been fulfilled. So think about all sorts of examples now. It's not just when we talk about a movie. But say, for instance, someone suggests, hey, shall we get a takeaway tonight? What would you like? And you say, well, you know what? I'd really like a, uh, I'd like a pizza. Shall we order a pizza? Cool. What pizza would you like? And so you give your preference and now you place the order and now you're waiting for the pizza man delivery guy to turn up with your pizza. Go back in time and try and remember the last time this happened to you. And you were waiting for this delivery. You know, as you browse their website and as you filled your cart with all the ingredients and the type of pizza you wanted and the sides and the drinks and all sorts. And then you punch in your cart details and you click the order button and then you Use the tracker to see how long it's going to take for the delivery guy to turn up. Are you keep going ahead, hitting F5, refresh, 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 come on. And you cheer him on, right? The pizza guy on the web page. They have this little icon, like the pizza guy with this pizza delivery bicycle and a pizza steaming hot. They're like, come on, come on, that's it, hurry up. And you keep hitting refresh, refresh, come on. Right? So, what is that sensation that you feel? You, there's something you want, and as yet you don't have it. That time between, that duration of time between when you want something to you acquiring it, that experience, that void that you experience in your mind, that feeling of unsatisfactoriness. I think you know what I'm talking about. That feeling of unsatisfactoriness. That feeling of incompleteness. That urge that needs to be satisfied. I propose we call that vexation for the purpose of these talks. It's a word that you'll find in any good dictionary. And it's a feeling of unsatisfactoriness. Vexation. So what was the cause of vexation? The cause of vexation is this idea that is fed into the mind, like that something of beauty, something that is lovely, something that is wonderful, something that is pleasurable exists and there is a chance, there is an opportunity for you to acquire it. So desire has now crept into the mind, desire for something, and now you want to acquire it. So when you want to acquire what you desire, but until that moment that you have acquired it, there is a time span. And in that time period, the feeling that you have in your mind, it's not a positive feeling, is it? 
you wouldn't want to feel like that forever and the rest of your life, would you? Would you? Are you sure? Let's play out this example. So you've ordered the pizza and now you're waiting for the delivery. Okay. Now you know that feeling of you're waiting for the delivery driver to turn up with your pizza. Okay. So you wait and it says delivery time, expected delivery time is in 45 minutes. Right. So you're sat down watching the clock. Right. And you now this is a time when you want that second clock to tick faster. Right. You want those minutes to rush. Like every minute is your enemy. Right? You want that 45 minutes to go in a flash. So why is that? Because you don't like that feeling, do you? When else might you have experienced this feeling? Christmas would be another example. Well, Christmas is coming. It's around the corner. So when, the, when it's Christmas Eve, right? And you see all those presents under the Christmas tree. Especially if you don't know what your family has got for you. If you don't know what they've gotten for you, these presents are gift-wrapped and they're under the Christmas tree, but you know it's for you. It's got your name on it. Now, that feeling of wanting to find out what it is that they have got for you. Do you remember that feeling? So that 45 minutes as you wait for the pizza delivery, what if once you refresh, they say there's an update to your delivery time? It's not 45 minutes anymore. It's actually an hour. How do you feel? Do you feel, woohoo, that's wonderful. Now it's not 45 minutes. I can wait for an hour for my pizza to arrive. How do you feel? Do you feel good about that or do you feel bad about that? In very simple terms. Do you feel good or do you feel bad? In other words, is that a positive feeling or is that a negative feeling? What if you hit refresh again? In 10 minutes, 10 minutes later, you hit refresh again and now it says, well, the delivery will be with you in one hour and 15 minutes. So time seems to keep increasing. The time it's going to take for the delivery to arrive. How does that make you feel? I'm playing out this example with you because I'm asking you this question. This waiting game, waiting to acquire what you desire, right? Once that want has been planted in your mind, once the desire has been planted in your mind, once this vexation has arisen in your mind, is that a positive emotion? Do you like it? Do you wish, for, do you wish to prolong it for as long as you possibly can? Or do you wish for you to be relieved of that as soon as possible? What do you think? Be honest with yourself. So if the delivery time keeps increasing, how does that make you feel? Meaning you have to wait longer this void remains there for longer. How does that make you feel? Just think about it. Why is it that with commerce, and particularly e-commerce, the world is moving as fast as it possibly can to move to a position where things can be ordered and they can be delivered, right? Right from click of the button to knock on the door. Some popular names in the e-commerce industry, you know, like the Amazons and whatnot. They're always investing their research and development teams 
They're always trying to find a new and innovative ways to make the customer wait for less time as they possibly can to deliver that which they have ordered. Why is that? Is that because you like the waiting game or is that because you don't like the waiting game? So what about that Christmas? Christmas Eve, presents under the tree. Now when can you open those presents? Well, only on Christmas Day. After everyone in the family has got together, right? That's when you can open your Christmas presents. What if Christmas Day never came? If any of you have watched Groundhog Day, it was a very popular movie a while back. It was Christmas Eve every day. Imagine that. Presents under the tree. You know it's for you, but you can't open it, boy, because you have to open it on Christmas Day. And every day from that day on is Christmas Eve. Would you like that feeling? Do you like that feeling? When someone says, hey, I've got a secret to tell you. And you say, okay, what is it? I'll tell you later. <laughs> How does that make you feel? You'll, your normal response would probably be, come on, don't do that. If you've got something to tell me, tell me now. If you're not going to tell me now, why did you tell me you had something to tell me? Wouldn't you? Don't do that. That feeling, when you go through that experience, that is called vexation. That is what I refer to as vexation. Another example. Let's say you've gone out for a meal with your mates and you've ordered some food, right? So everyone on the, on the, around the table has ordered different things and the waiters brought your dish first. <laughs> they brought your dish first, but, oh, it's rude, isn't it? To start digging into it until others have received their orders. Now you have to wait. Imagine there's 10 of you. You've got your chicken noodles, but you've got to wait until the remainder. The rest of the order arrives at the table before you start eating. Because it's good manners. And of course it is good manners. So the next item arrives. Now there's eight more to go. Another two dishes arrive. Six more to go. Now you start salivating. Your tummy, your tummy starts rumbling. You just can't wait for it. You really want to dig into it, but you can't. Why? You've got to wait. It's good table manners. You've got to wait. That feeling as you wait for it, how does that make you feel? Do you like for that experience to be prolonged as much as possible? Or do you wish for that to be shortened as much as possible? My point being, that feeling, that emotion, is that a positive thing? Do you really enjoy it? Would you like for you to have more of that or would you like to have less of that as possible? If possible, wouldn't you like to avoid it completely and completely remove it, rid it, get rid of it from your life? That is the feeling of vexation. 
What about when a movie ends on a cliffhanger? It comes to the climax of the, the scene and then you're informed, oh, there's a slide that says to be continued. It's like some movies. You'll watch it from start to end and right before they show you the credits screen or sometimes maybe just after, they'll give you a short clip that shows you what's going to come later in the second installment of this movie. What do they do when they do that? They create in your mind vexation. Because now you want to find out what happens next. Any good teledrama, particularly the one that has multiple episodes, each episode will end on a cliffhanger with a prompt for you to return and watch it the following day. Because what happens, folks, is it creates this vexation in the mind and that vexation is a negative emotion. In other words, it's not a pleasant feeling. It's a very unpleasant feeling. It's a feeling devoid of happiness. It creates an urge, a longing, a yearning for something. But there's a promise of delivering, but no delivery. So what happens? It's a negative emotion. Now, here's the beauty of it. Once that has been created in the mind, what does the mind want next? When an expectation has been created in the mind, what do you want next? Come on, we all know the answer to that question. Think about a time when you're waiting for someone at the airport. You're waiting at the arrivals lounge. Now you're stood by the queue, where it's got the arrivals gate, and you're waiting for your friend or your loved one to walk through those doors. And you keep scanning each and every face. Right? And the screen says that anytime now, those passengers should come through the arrivals and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. You've been waiting for half an hour now, 45 minutes, an hour. How do you feel? And then say, you get a message to say, security alert. There's been some situation that has developed and there's going to be a delay in those passengers arriving at the arrivals gate. How does that make you feel? Let's imagine you have no problem about their security. They're safe. They're all right. No problem. But now you have to wait. How does that make you feel? Is that a positive feeling or is that a negative feeling? Imagine again, say, when you're watching a game of football or cricket, tennis, badminton, whatever. I've particularly seen this with friends of mine from when I was a lay person, when they watched football. A lot of friends who were footy fans, they'd be on the edge of their seats right, as their favorite player runs towards the goal and kicking the ball. Now imagine 
Just as they raise their leg to kick that ball, there's a power cut. Or someone, just to play a prank, comes and switches off the telly. How does that make you feel? Because in that moment, you want to find out what's, happen- what's going to happen next, right? That feeling. Would you like for that feeling to be prolonged? Or would you like for that feeling to be gotten rid of as soon as possible? So essentially, when you have this vexation in your mind, the wanting for something, the need to acquire that which you desire, you want that feeling to be dispensed with as soon as possible. Would you agree with me on that? So vexation is not a feeling that any of us like. We want to relieve ourselves of vexation as soon as possible. Back to the movies. Trailers. Word of mouth, now you want to watch the movie. So now the story develops as you're in the cinema. And the story starts to play out. There are the good guys who you become fond of. And then the villains enter the scene. We talked about this last week. And it's just a reminder. And now what happens? The plot unfolds and the villains or the bad guys become a threat to the good guys. When the bad guys become a threat to the good guys, who else have they become a threat to? You. You don't like that. You want the good guys to be happy. But here's the thing. If the good guys remained happy throughout the story, throughout the film, would, it, would that be a film that you would have enjoyed? No, well, you see, then, secretly, for you to enjoy the film, what must happen? The good guys must get into trouble. The bad guys must become a threat to the good guys. And then get them enrolled in a fight. Or something like that. Cause some damage. And then when it comes to the climax and your vexation is at its highest. Now what must happen? The good guys must win the day. So what happens then? That vexation that built up in your mind over say two hours, two and a half hours throughout that story. At the climax, that vexation was building up one step at a time. Slowly but certainly. Building up in your mind. That vexation. It's like suffocation. Almost. If you ever held your breath You know this feeling. The longer you hold your breath, the more uncomfortable it becomes, right? The same goes here. The longer you vex, the more uncomfortable it becomes. And what happens when you keep holding your breath and at one moment when you you simply can't hold it any longer, what do you do? You let go and take a deep breath. You fill your lungs with air. How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? That pleasure you experience when you take that breath after having held your breath for a long period of time, when you take in that breath of air, it gives you a pleasure that you would not normally experience 
by inhaling the same volume of air in other, on other times or in other occasions, at any other time. So why is that lung full of air more pleasurable than if you were to take the same amount, the same volume of air on any other occasion? Because something else played a part here. And what was that? You held your breath and that became more and more uncomfortable. That uncomfortableness became a problem to you. So the uncomfortableness built up and then you were relieved of it. So you could consider that, again, physical vexation, if you like. Now the same thing happens in the mind. It's much the same thing that happens in the mind. Over a period of, say, the film was three hours long and in the two and a half hours what happens is this, the, the, the plot develops and the good guys are just getting hammered by the bad guys, one after the other. So over a period of two and a half hours, your vexation builds up and keeps on building up. And then at the climax, that's when things are at its worst. It couldn't get any worse than that. Now, just when it seems like there's absolutely no hope, right? Iron Man flies in and saves the day. What happens? You are relieved of vexation. That experience is euphoric. It's like when you inhale that lung full of air after having held your breath for such a long period of time. In much the same way, you are relieved of that vexation when you get what you want, that which you have been waiting for all this time. And what is it that you have been waiting for all this time? That which you thought was good. That which you liked, that which you desired. And what was that? For the good guys to be happy. For the good guys to be safe. For the good guys to win the day. You see, in the story, they are the way they were when they started. Let me explain that a bit further. So let's say you watch this movie in which there's a family of three. Okay, mother, father, son. And they're just going about their life very normal lives right and they're all just you know going through life as usual and they're all quite happy and content that's not much of a story is it so you observe them and does that make you feel really 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 happy oh wow they just this is so they're just living such normal lives oh that's just so wonderful do you ever say that do you ever even feel that do you feel anything special about it no but what happens as the story develops now you get the bad guy come in and they just completely give this good family, this, these good guys, a terrible time. And that really makes you upset. You're really upset about it. And that vexes you. And then, somehow or the other, you are relieved of that vexation when the good guy wins the day. Okay? And what happens then towards the end of the story? Everything's back to normal. Everything's back to the way it all started. But now you feel emotionally, you feel difference. You feel a difference, don't you? You're seeing the same family the same way, doing exactly the same things as when they started. But emotionally, you've gone through a roller coaster ride. Haven't you? 
You've gone from no problem, everything's fine. You've gone to a state of vexation where it was so much negative energy inside. I usually use the word energy because I'm referring to, I'm, I'm using terms which you may be able to better understand. I don't mean there's an energy flow or anything like that. I'm not talking about chakras or anything like that here. I'm just simply talking about the psychology of here, of life. This is how the mind works. Right? So, so that, that negative energy, that emotion, that vexation was built up and then just, uh, just at the climax, the good guy wins the day and that vexation is relieved. That relief of vexation is so pleasurable. What's happened in the story? They're just back to where they were. So if the three in the family were split apart by the bad guys, then the three reunite. If they lost their homes and their properties and all of that they have been able to reclaim. Right? So whatever they started with, they're back to that. And now you feel so happy watching the same family sat down round the table having their meal. That is exactly where the story started. But you didn't feel the same way. It's funny, isn't it, when you analyze it this way? It's funny and upsetting at the same time, isn't it? I know, there's a part of you inside wondering, why did I, why did I fall for this all this time? You must be feeling what I'm talking about right now. You, you're probably scratching your head wondering, how did I allow myself to go through this all this time? Well, that is realization. This is realization. When you've gone through something all your life and not realized what was happening to you, but one fine day you stop to ponder, you contemplate, and you open your eyes and you realize what's happened, that's when you begin to ask yourself the question, what? I allowed myself to go through that all this time? That is the moment of realization. So I know. Most, if not all of you, will now be asking yourself that question. How did I allow myself to go through that? Just as I once did of myself. See, you're watching the same family sat around the table, having the same meal. But now you feel so happy that they're back together as a family. You didn't feel the same way about it when you first started watching the movie. So what happened? How did you experience this pleasure? To begin with, there was no vexation. But you were made to like the way that this family was through indoctrination, through ideas that a good family, a happy family is, um, is, is, is the way it should be. Right? And those trailers and all that. And now there was vexation that builds, started building up gradually in your mind. Two and a half hours later, you are at maximum vexation. And then relief from vexation because the hero comes and saves the day. And that relief from vexation is actually what you feel is pleasure. It is the relief from vexation. This is the point I really want you to understand here. 
What you experience as pleasure is relief from vexation. So that pleasure was not there to begin with. The pleasure was not there to begin with. If there were, if pleasure was there to begin with, then you wouldn't need a story. Watching the family around the table having their meal together, that should give you the same amount of pleasure. As does the same scene at the end of the story, but having gone through this roller coaster ride of vexation and relief from vexation, but it doesn't. It doesn't give you the same amount of pleasure because pleasure is not in the situation. Pleasure is not in the scene. Pleasure is not something that you get from the movie. It is something you get when the mind goes through this cycle of vexation and relief from vexation. That is what gives you this pleasure. That is what makes you feel happy. I use the word roller coaster ride. Isn't that how you enjoy a roller coaster ride, really? Think about it. I, for myself, in my, as a, in my younger days, I really enjoyed going on roller coasters until I realized what I was putting myself through. In the time that I used to live in the United Kingdom, I, if I'm not mistaken, I've been to every single theme park because I really enjoyed, particularly the roller coasters, especially the scary ones. And then one fine day, as I learned this principle, I took this principle into the lab of life and <laughs> I began to wonder, what is it that I've been putting myself through? So this is how it worked. Normally you'd be expected to queue up, wouldn't you, when you go to the theme park. Even if you go to the fast track, there's normally at least a short queue. So, right, so you're queued up for the ride. And normally you'll see people, as you get closer to the, to the ride, you'll see people come and tell you. You'll see people laughing. You'll see people with a smile on their face. They'll be saying, th saying things like, oh my God, that was one hell of a ride. And, and, and so on. So now you think, well, it's the ride that brings you happiness, that pleasure. But is it? If you look closer, if you study this closer, you'll begin to understand what's really going on. So you queue up and then you eventually get to the point where you can take your seat. right? So they say fasten your seatbelts and they lower the, uh, the safety guard. And then they play some kind of music and then they play a recording where someone would say, this is going to be one heck of a ride. This is a game of life and death. So you better hang on to your seats. All sorts of things that begin to build up in you. What? One thing. That is vexation. What happens? After that, three, two, one, and the ride begins. 
I remember once going on this ride that sped me up from zero to 80 miles an hour. I think in one and a half seconds or something like that. So it'll take you all the way up on the ride, right, escalating as you as you go up, right? And now, of course, you're only seeing the sky. You don't know how far up you are from the ground. But what happens next? Particularly if you want to give yourself the ride of your life and you take a front seat, right? And then as it gets to the peak of this ride and then it turns around and now you can see the ground, what happens then? You begin to sweat. You begin to second guess your decision to have gotten on to the ride in the first place. You begin to ask yourself questions like, what was I thinking? Was I mad to get on this ride? Now there's an intense sensation of vexation. You begin to regret having got on the ride in the first place, but now it's too late, you can't get out now. There's only one way. You have to ride it down. You see, now the adrenaline starts to rush and your blood is pumping throughout your body. Fear creeps in. Now you're hanging on to your life, right? So you're, you're, full, you're full of fear. People faint. Have you heard people scream on those rides? People who've been, who've been quiet all their lives, sometimes you'd think they're dumb or mute. You get them on a ride, they'll give you the scream of their life. Some people. And now there's an intense feeling of vexation in the mind. It's so intense that when the ride now continues and it comes run, rushing down to the ground, and hopefully, lands you safely back down. How do you feel? You feel a sigh of relief. You give out a deep sigh of relief and go, Oh my God, thank you. I'm so glad I'm still alive. You tell yourself. You see, you experience pleasure, don't you, at that moment? You are back where you started, aren't you? Because it's the same cart that just does a quick round and then you can, the next team can get onto the cart and you know, you, you're side by side and it'll go for the next round. See, you're back where you started. When you got onto that ride in the first place, did you feel the same experience of this exhilarating sensation of pleasure when you got on the ride? No, but you felt it as you came down, right? Why is that? Because what happened between your start and stop? What happened was vexation and relief from vexation. What happened was vexation and relief from vexation. What that ride did to you was it vexed you. It entered fear into your mind. That is vexation. It is a form of vexation, a type of vexation. And that vexation was relieved when you descended and came back to safety. Now you thank the ride operators, you thank the, the theme park for giving you such fun. 
But if you only took a step back and observed and analyzed and studied what really went on, here's how they got your hard-earned cash. Let me tell you. You worked hard to earn yourself some money because you wanted to be happy, right? That's why you earn money? No? Of course. You worked hard to get yourself some money, earn yourself some money because you wanted to be happy. Then what you did was, you went and took a seat on that ride. Are you happy now? No, not yet. But you have already given them your money. Please make me happy. So what they do is, they insert vexation, fear, the fear of life into you. The fear of death into you. They have taken your money to enter the fear of death into you. And then they take that fear back out of you. How? By bringing you back down safely. So really, what have you paid them for? To vex you and then to relieve you from vexation. So to put you into pain and then to take it back from you. You didn't have that vexation with you to begin with. You didn't have that vexation when you walked into the theme park or even when you sat down in the car to go on the ride. That fear, that vexation crept into your mind as you ascended the ride. That is what they took your money for. And then they relieved you of that vexation. The, the, the very vexation that they gave you, they took away from you. And that makes you happy. So, really, in very simple terms, what's going on here is, you give your hard-earned cash that you have earned because you want to be happy to someone and say, Hey, mister, please, would you make me suffer and then take that suffering away from me? Dear darling, and do that for me, please. Isn't that what's going on here? Excuse me, please would you insert the fear of death into me and take it away from me? Here's my hard-earned cash. I worked for weeks in the hope that you'd do it for me. Isn't that what's going on? <laughs> Once again, I reiterate what I said to you last week. I'm not saying that the theme park operators are vile or vicious or they're just terrible people. How dare they do such things? I mean, the only reason they're operating them is because you go into them. You patronize them. If you didn't go, then they wouldn't operate them. So are they bad people? Are they terrible people? Oh, no. Should we have theme parks? For many yawns to come. Forever and ever. The only reason I'm sharing this with you, this science of how the mind works, is to give you the choice. Are you willing? Are you prepared? Do you want for people to manipulate you in this way? Do you enjoy that? You spend your money so that others can vex you and then relieve you of that vexation that they put inside you in the first place. Do you like that? If you do, then carry on and be my guest. If you don't, now you need to start asking yourself, well, if that is conditional happiness, that is not the kind of happiness I want. I have been fooled all this time. 
There must be an alternative. There must be another way. Unconditional happiness must surely be far better than this. Because this way of achieving happiness always requires you to go through vexation first and then to be relieved of vexation. I'll continue to provide you more and more examples until this idea sinks with you and you are in complete conviction about it. But I invite you to go back and perhaps listen to this talk again if you are able to find some time. And even if you don't, just run this idea through your mind several times and in the lab of life, this will become a realization for you as it has for me. So with that, I will leave you for this week and we look forward to continuing this discussion next week. Before we conclude then, let us take a moment to transfer merits to all those who have helped us to get this far on our path to ultimate happiness. Let us take a moment then to transfer the merits we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem, chanting Pirit, listening to the Dhamma and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. First and foremost, let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching. And with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, upasikas and upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the Tripitaka, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us also transfer the merits we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of the, all of the chapters who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us also transfer these merits to our teachers and all other monks resident at this monastery, as well as the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us also take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these talks, sharing them out with others or inviting others to join them. May through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also transfer the merits we have acquired to our devotees and friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery to those of you who provide the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes and medicines, as well as those who have passed on their know-how and continue to extend their well wishes. May through the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer merits to our mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews and nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who have helped us, supported us, assisted us in any way, shape or form. By the power of these merits, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer merits to the devas and brahmas, spirits and demons, primarily the Sakadeva as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Sambhudhasana. Let us also transfer merits to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. 
and may through the power of these merits they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer merits to our ancestors who have predeceased us, to all who have been our families, friends and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in samsara, and who have helped us, supported us, assisted us in every way they could. Let us also transfer these merits to the members of the armed forces as well as the police force, who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nations, and may all who have lost their lives in the war be their friend or foe, rejoice in the merits we have acquired today. Let us also transfer merits to all those who have lost their lives in the natural calamities, such as the tsunamis and earthquakes, landslides and pandemics, reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in samsara. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits to them. May to the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the warful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. And finally, let us resolve that may to the power and the blessings of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day, we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of arahants on this blessed land. And finally, may to the power of all the merits we have acquired today, you and I, and everyone who has helped make this program a success, become an arahatun mahanse or an arahat mihinin mahanse in this very life and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. And on that note, we will conclude today's talk. Looking forward to speaking to you and continuing this discussion next week. May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all.